Welcome to the University of Wyoming Today. On this program, you'll hear about what's making the news and about the people and events at UW. You'll also learn about some of the leading research that's taking place at one of the region's top universities. And now, here's today's edition of the University of Wyoming Today. Hi, Jim Kearns with you. Hunting and fishing have been a part of Wyoming's culture since the first settlers arrived in the state. Andrea Graham is a folk life specialist with the University of Wyoming's American Studies program. She presented some of the state's hunting and fishing artistic traditions in an exhibition called The Art of the Hunt. You know, the reason we, the topic was picked was because it's so important to Wyoming and still is a living culture. Um, but yeah, we had some items in our exhibit from Native American, you know, um, fishing spears and bows and arrows and beadwork. So it's, I mean, it's been a matter of survival for humans for ever, um, but it's still a very lively tradition in Wyoming. And there are people who make this incredible handcrafted gear, bamboo fishing rods and hand forged knives and saddles, pack saddles, hunting bows. And you can hunt with store-bought gear, but if you hunt with something that's handmade in your state by someone you know, that just adds something to the, to the work, to the activity, you know. And it is something that's, I mean, of course, hunting skills themselves are passed down largely in families and communities, but so are these skills, the craft skills are. And folk life specialist Andrea Graham says these traditions continue to be passed along from generation to generation. I think there are probably fewer makers now than there used to be because you can go buy, you know, mass-produced stuff in a store. But a lot of times when people get good at, say, bow hunting, and they want to try using a longbow, not a factory-made compound bow, so they're the ones who are going to be looking for the handcrafted stuff. So, you know, we always worry that these traditions are dying out, but then, you know, we had a number of younger folks who were, who were making these things, and they're more women hunters. Um, they're women guides and outfitters. We had a few women gear makers, as there's a knife maker, um, some taxidermists, so we have hope, you know, and part of what this project was was to recognize and honor the people who are carrying on these traditions and make others aware of them and of how important they are. And there's little doubt that hunting and fishing will always remain an important part of life in Wyoming. And speaking of hunting, societies throughout the world have always displayed the large trophy horns and antlers of the big game animals they've killed. Some researchers are determining if harvesting such trophy animals has any effect on the genetic traits that are passed along to the next generation. University of Wyoming researcher Kevin Monteith is among the scientists who are answering that question. They are analyzing more than 22,000 records compiled by the Boone and Crockett Club, dating back more than 100 years. Across lots of different trophy categories and species across North America. So that's what we did. Uh, and kind of the, the general themes over, over about the past century where data existed, 
across those antlered and horned uh, game categories, uh, kind of the overall picture was uh, some significant negative trends through time. Uh, but those, those negative trends, albeit statistically significant, were very marginal. Um, in fact, over the past uh, 50 plus years, we've seen maybe uh, in general less than, uh, less than 2% and often less than 1% uh, overall average change in size through time in the negative direction. And wildlife researcher Kevin Monteith attributes that slight decline to the intensity of the harvest of those trophy animals. Those uh, trophy categories that are experiencing intensive harvest through time that over time we've just slightly chipped away at the, the male age structure, creating just you know slightly younger males as we've gone through time, which then in that instance leading to slightly smaller horns and antler size through time. Um, and again, whether then, you know, that necessarily invokes a need for a management change or anything like that. Again, we're, we're producing more trophies than we ever have been. Uh, and the changes that we've seen through time are very slight. So there are still plenty of trophy animals out there, much to the delight of hunters everywhere. You're listening to the University of Wyoming Today. I'm Jim Kearns. Those big game animals that Kevin Monteith was talking about are Wyoming's most iconic and glamorous species. University of Wyoming zoologist Steve Buskirk says these animals make up only a small percentage of the mammals that are found in Wyoming. People think of the mammals of Wyoming, they think pronghorns, they think elk, they think grizzly bears, but in fact there are 117 native wild mammals in Wyoming. Most of them are rodents, there's a lot of shrews, there's quite a few bats. We drive across the state, we see pronghorns, we see deer, we might see an elk, and of course we see lots of birds. Uh, but in fact there are many more mammals out there in the state than there are birds, and the mammals just happen to go to sleep during the daytime and they're shy and they try to avoid us, whereas birds are much more conspicuous. So it takes a lot of different kinds of specialist naturalists to go out there and find these species. There's, there are naturalists and biology specialized in, in non-game small mammals. There are specialists who, who are aware of where the spotted skunks are. You have to go to certain people to ask about Virginia possums and where they're found. You need to go to trappers to find out where certain fur bears are found. And so there are a lot of niches in the mammal field where you have specialized knowledge held by individuals with specialized skills. That's retired zoology professor Steve Buskirk. He's the author of a new book titled The Wild Mammals of Wyoming and Yellowstone National Park. This is a desk reference book. It's not really a field guide. And there has been a need for some time of a book that people can go to to find out what wild mammals are in Wyoming, what they're called, where they occur, and how their distribution has changed over the decades. The distributional features of these mammal species are important to conservation. And a lot of conservation decisions are based on what we know about what are the distribution is staying constant, is it decreasing? or is it expanding? 
And uh, so that's a primary focus of this book, is how the distributions of Wyoming mammals have changed over the decades. That's Professor Steve Buskirk. And again, the name of his book is The Wild Mammals of Wyoming and Yellowstone National Park. And we are tipping our hat to Michael Griffith, the longtime director of the UW Symphony Orchestra, won third place in the college and universities division of the recent American Prize in orchestral programming. Congratulations, Professor Griffith. Your dedication to excellence has influenced hundreds of students and enriched Wyoming's cultural experiences for more than a quarter of a century. I'm Jim Kearns, and that's it for my time. Thanks for yours. That's it for this time. Join us again for the next edition of the University of Wyoming Today.